Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Welcome to episode 8 of season 1 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. And before, Tom, before you say one word, we have one thing we need to cover. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tom. Happy birthday to you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That is why I asked if you watched The Office, because that's the way uh, Michael Scott sings Happy Birthday. When he hits the name part, he gets really high. (laughs) That's that's what she said. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So uh, how how was your weekend, bro? Well, it was good. It's good. I, I do have a little bit of the case of the proverbial chapped ass, though. Did you see the ending to the Tulane-Houston game Friday night? I heard about it. Yeah, and I'm referring to the, you know, they did a fake kneel-down play. Uh, Oh, yeah, like (laughs) Auburn did. Yeah, exactly. That was going to be my next point. (laughs) Auburn did the same thing against A&M at the end of the first half. Here's my problem with that. In my mind, there's always been – a gentleman's agreement when a team gets into the victory formation or the kneel-down formation, even at the end of the half. I mean, I always call it the victory formation, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, oh, yeah. a lot of times the the defensive team just stands there straight up and allows the play to happen without even firing off the ball. I mean, you know, it, like I said, it's a gentleman's agreement. Now, I mm-hmm. have seen some over-aggressive defenders actually get flagged for busting in there and hitting the quarterback or something, you know, when he's in this position. But if you're a coach and you're going to take advantage of the gentleman's agreement by running trick plays, I think that's despicable. Actually, I really feel oh, like that's more for the safety of the players. You know, the, the, I mean, everybody's going, mm-hmm. okay, we're not going to run a play, we're not going to get involved, and we're not going to mix it up or whatever. But if you're not going to honor the agreement, if you as a coach and you're not going to honor the agreement, I tell your quarterback to get ready to suffer the consequences. I can oh, guarantee, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can guarantee you Gus will get his uh, turnip face on and storm the field if you teed off on his quarterback while he was trying to take a knee. I mean, he and all the other coaches just need to know that there are consequences for this kind of behavior. I mean, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I I do because and here's the thing: if you're playing Auburn, how pissed was Gus on Friday night when he's about to go to bed? He's like, "Damn it, I was going to run that tomorrow," and he's like, <laughs> "Screw it, I will anyway." Um, you know, but that's the thing: if Gus, like you just touched on, if I'm if I'm coaching against Gus, 
we are firing off the ball, and we're going to slam the quarterback if we get a chance. And when the ref flags me, I'm going to take umbrage with that. I'm going to say, dude, have you have you seen this? Have you seen this guy, coach? He exactly. is trickeration number one. You cannot penalize me when I don't know what he's going to do because Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, uh, heck, I'd even go as far as say Lincoln Riley, and he's he's a youngling and he's got more class than than to do that crap, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's over the line. I mean, it's technically within the rules, but again, that's why it's called a gentleman's agreement. Yep, I agree. All right, um, word of the day today is Wait, 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 wait. Over. Yep, yep, yep. I got scolded last week for this. How was your weekend, Tiffin? Oh, uh, my weekend was wonderful. Uh, Sophie had a volleyball game. I hit a couple games of that, came back home. Uh, had some friends over, cooked some wings, and ate some Rotel dip, ate a little bit of pizza, drank a few f- cool ones. So it was all good. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. All right, continue on, sir. All right, word of the day, and you're going to love this one, and we're going to work it in liberally, is overrated. overrated. <clears throat> Notre Dame. <clears throat> Michigan. Overrated. Overrated. Clap, 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 clap. Overrated. (laughs) Before we get into the winners, I have an aside in my notes. And I did not tell you this. I wanted to spring this on you because it's a pretty good story. Uh, Back in 2011, Gober and I are on Bill Street at at Silky O'Sullivan's. And uh, I, I guess... You know, Gober, he's definitely going to have on Bama stuff. And I probably had on a Bama cap or shirt or whatever uh, myself. And these two guys came in and they said, hey, y'all, you know, y'all Bama fans or, yeah, it was, yeah sure. I was like, okay, you know, do you know a guy named Jevin Sneed? And I'm like, yeah, because he played at Ole Miss in like 08, 09, maybe finished mm-hmm. in 10. I can't remember. And um, they said, do you know Jevin Sneed? And we're both like, yeah, he quarterback to Ole Miss. They said, okay, okay, he's our buddy. He's with us tonight. And they said, man, he's kind of full of himself. Like, he'll he'll go out and he'll say, like, I'm Jevin Sneed. I'm Jevin Sneed. They said, when he comes in the bar, uh, act like you recognize him. And then say, hey, hey, didn't you play quarterback at Ole Miss? But then make up another, a different name. And I said, yeah, we're down for that. So uh, so Jevin comes in. We recognize him. And uh, I'm like, hey, hey, man, did you did you play quarterback at Ole Miss? He said, yeah, yeah, I did. I said, yeah, I mean, you're Robert Lane, aren't you? Robert Lane played like two years before Jevin. And, dude, he, he started laughing. Of course, his buddies couldn't hold it anymore. And uh, he's like, man, y'all suck, whatever. And, um, you know, but we, we laughed. And, and he actually stayed. And I mean, I guess he hung out for well over an hour, you know, and just we shot right. the breeze on – on college football, and he, really cool guy. But I, as you know, he passed away over the weekend. I think Saturday night, Sunday morning. Yeah, I don't so. know the cause of death, but you know, <laughs> with a young, healthy individual, you you just really worry what the cause of death would be. But I just when when I heard that name, you know, Daryl texts me, and we re- immediately recalled that story. I thought I would share that. It was a pretty good story. Yeah, I had not heard that before. That is a cool story. Yeah, it, it, it we, sucked we, about Jevin though. We keep a few. Uh, we keep a few up our uh, up our sleeve. Uh, let's move on to winner. We're already we're set. We're, our, our intros are getting longer and longer, and the meat Swell of the podcast like gets glossed over. Uh, we're going to open up with winners and losers. So winners, um, we got two this week, and I, I think they were, yeah they were our feature games last week. Auburn uh, is the first one, and uh, regardless of how good you think the Oregon and or Texas A and M are. Auburn has the two best wins on paper in the country right now, and it's really not even close as far as two wins. Now, I do think uh, the next team we have are going to talk about has the best win, but Auburn has the the, the best two wins. And, uh, man, it is – I have tried to warn people on uh, the chit-chat boards. I have tried to warn people, Bama fans, on this podcast. It is happening once again Auburn is not that good, in my opinion. They lack they lack skill at some important places, uh, namely quarterback. I mean, he doesn't have good numbers. They don't have a ton of passing yards, but man, they are getting it done. And I'm telling you, they're gonna they're gonna beat the crap out of Mississippi State this weekend. State cannot stop the run, and then they're gonna go to Florida. And if if Florida does not beat them, Bama is in serious trouble because the LSU game turns into a coin toss, and they will beat either us or Georgia, if not both of us. But anyway, uh, 
they, you know, they, they just dominated. I mean, they, they pulled out all the trick plays. And you would think, you know, you would think Gus's trick plays would not work anymore. Heck, he's been in the league as OC and or head coach <laughs> since 2009, um, I think. 2010. No, he, heck, he was at Arkansas for a while. He's got a solid 10 years in the league. And he still gets the wide open receivers running down the middle of the field. And like, no other team does that. And, I mean, they'll, they'll do to throw a pass and nobody's in within 10 yards of him. So, uh, but that was that's a big winner on the weekend is Auburn. Yeah, agreed. There may not be anybody within 10 yards of him because he's that good of a coach. Who knows? I mean, I you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was the, as much of an X's and O's guys as – you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people who study a lot more than I do, but um, it, uh, it 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 is honestly comical when you see the stuff he tries. But he does, like you said, you know, occasionally have have people running wide open or reverse goes for a touchdown, like we saw Saturday. But mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I'm still a little bit confused by both of those teams, Auburn and A and M. You know. Auburn obviously got up big early, held on. But this game for A&M, I don't know if you noticed or not, it was eerily similar to the Clemson game. You know, for for much of the game, the A&M defense held Auburn to like three and out or or really short, non-productive drives. But just exactly like the Clemson game, they only allowed Auburn to sustain drives of 30 yards or longer four times during the game. Now think about that. Four times Auburn had drives longer than 30 yards. That's it. But you know what? All four of them went for touchdowns. So yep. A&M played pretty solidly on defense, really. Uh, but, you know, when you compare that versus the Clemson game, Clemson had – or uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, A&M – when you when you compare what they did against Auburn on the other side of the ball, they had six drives over thirty yards. All right, but they ended up with eight less points. So mm-hmm. you've got to finish. You know, we talked about that last weekend about good teams have to sustain drives, string plays together to get in the end zone or get get points, and and that's one thing that they definitely lacked Saturday. But uh, but you mentioned it a while ago too. I'm still not sold on Auburn's offense. Um, I mean, I think Nick's had like 100 yards passing, one zero zero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, in my opinion, I think we probably need about three more weeks before we'll know for sure who the teams to beat are, particularly in the SEC. But uh, give Auburn credit where credit's due. I mean, they went on the road and beat A and M. Uh, set themselves up nicely, and like you said, if they get on a roll, look out. Yep. And, you know, playing Devils, which I did, I took them over seven and a half in Vegas, of course. And honestly, I, I, the worst they were going to be right now is three and one. So it's not a huge shock that they're four and oh. But boy, as a Bama fan uh, who does not like Auburn, it'd be sure it would be nice if they were three and one right now. Now, that's a, that's a little bit of a reach. You, you, you say that like three and one was a slam dunk. I mean, you might as well say that was a pick 'em with them in Oregon in the opener. I mean, they were a slot favorite, and then they were underdog at A and M. I mean, they very easily could have been two and two. So, at four and oh, you're on the good side of that wager, sir. Tom, you and I do not live a good enough life for Auburn to ever be two and two to start the year. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, our second winner is uh, Georgia, and I'll let you kick that one off. Well, Georgia, as you know, came out on top of this, what was a top 10 matchup. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I've am i got a little different opinion of this game than most everybody I've heard on the radio, the TV, newspaper, down at the barbershop, wherever you want to hear that. I'm not proclaiming these two teams as heavyweights just yet. I mean, for a lot of this game, it looked like two monkeys in a football I mean, infer what you will there. But up until this game, neither team had to face competition in the top 50 of the country. And like I've been kept, like I've kept harping on, it's too early to tell if teams are really good with early season wins or if the teams they played are just not as competitive as we thought. 
Now, we'll know more about how this game actually turned out next weekend when Notre Dame plays Virginia. And I'm not saying Virginia's a powerhouse, but uh, it, it will not shock me, will not shock me if Virginia wins that game. Now, this, this last game, uh, you know, there was a lot of national media proclaimed Notre Dame as a powerhouse after a loss. I mean, I'm sure you heard that. You know, oh, we didn't think Notre Dame could play with them, but they did. And, you know, and now how you improved your status with the loss, I'll never know. But honestly, I think this is the same fluffy, soft Notre Dame team that we thought it was. It may just be that Georgia isn't playing like a champion right now, or at least at that championship calendar caliber. Uh, I teed it up for you there. Knock it out of the park, Tiffin. Well, let me ask you something. Did you look at my notes on this one? Because that's basically what I had on. I <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, you know, they like I said in the Auburn segment. Georgia on paper, if you believe the experts, Georgia has the best one win out there. Here's the deal, though. I don't believe the experts which is a perfect segue into our second category of losers. So I'm going to flip the script here, close out Georgia, and roll right into our losers, which number one A is Notre Dame. And uh, listen to the talk radio yesterday, The they were like, how bad? They, somebody actually said this. This was like a teaser to get to a break and, you know, coming up on the other side. But anyway, they said, uh, how bad did Notre Dame's uh, college football playoff chances take a hit? We'll let you know on the other side. And I'm like, I almost ran off the road. I'm like, how bad did they take a hit? Dude, they are deader than Bernie and Weekend at Bernie's. How Ooh, that's dead. In the, how could you let them in the playoffs after what's happened in 2012 Obama, after what has happened last year against Clemson? The the I retweeted it on the uh, on the our our Twitter account at targeting not I know that's kind of crazy but trust me it's the only thing available or you can search it up <laughs> hashtag targeting not targeting uh, they, I think they're one in eighteen now versus top five or top ten competition and and so I let me inter- let me let me interrupt the the listeners right now screaming at their radio but but Jason but Jason we're in this year last year doesn't count oh really. Oh, really? Last year doesn't count? Then tell me how, why Clemson is number one in the country right now. Because last year does count. Whether you want to admit it or not, last year's counts. Uh, Notre Dame is, is finished as far as the CFP goes. And I, I'm with you. They, I, I felt like instead of Notre Dame rising to the level and playing against Georgia, I feel like Georgia is not the monster we're making or that they're made out to be. I, I'm, I'm giving Notre Dame zero credit. I will continue to give them zero credit. I mean – Tom, their coach killed a kid for crying out loud. He just <laughs> for death, you know. And so that, I mean, that's really all I have. Notre Dame, big loser of the week. Well, eh, probably one A, and we'll go. We'll go to one B next. But go ahead. Brick killed a guy too, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, you flipped the script on me again because I guess now you're looking at my notes because. I have the same feeling about Notre Dame, which you could have inferred a little bit by my Georgia uh, spill there. But, you know, Virginia next weekend is currently – Virginia now. In in the – what do we call those? The weak-ass ACC? I mean, they are uh, weak, weak. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I mean, boy band weak over there. Weak is pup piss. There we go. Virginia. Out of the ACC is currently the highest-ranked team left on Notre Dame's schedule. How are you going to recover from that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Virginia may not be ranked for another two weeks, and then what have you got left? I mean, they don't even—they don't even have mm-hmm. an opportunity, in my opinion, pl- to play themselves back in. You know, if they had uh, no. uh, still a couple of big-ranked teams left to go, you know, that they could make some noise on. But, I mean, Virginia is their highest-ranked team. I think – I guess they played Michigan this year, but uh, we'll get to that later. But uh, I just don't see – I'm exactly on the same page you are. I don't see, with what they have left on their schedule, how they can play themselves back in. You know, let me ask you just a couple of questions. Um Notre Dame eleven and one, Auburn ten and two with a loss to at LSU and at home to Bama, and and that's your last two teams to pick to go to the playoffs. Who are you taking, Notre Dame or Auburn? 
Are you talking about me or who's the uh, committee going to yeah. take? Well, I mean, no, who's, who should be taken? Auburn should be taken in that in that Absolutely, scenario. absolutely. You know, if Auburn goes ten and, and, and two in the, the SEC, they're, they're, they should be in over that with with no, no absolutely no. Uh, uh, I lost my mind. You know, when Problem? you compare two teams to each other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they, they should get in. <laughs> uh, well put. All right, uh, loser number two. <laughs> loser number two is Michigan. And Tom, since you're such a big fan of Harbaugh, I'm gonna let you start this one off. Okay. The game has inches, and it needs competitive fire. We have to supplant this talent level and make first downs prior to fourth downs. Shea needs to settle the rhythm so can responses to tricky defenses can be earned and not given. I'm pretty sure that was Harbaugh's halftime speech. That guy is one clown short of a circus. Honestly have no idea how he's considered a serviceable coach. I did say serviceable there, but he's that at absolute best. They were mauled Saturday. I mean mauled, like Ocelot's maul stuff. I mean, it was ridiculous. I can't believe they're still in the top 25, to be honest. Overtime versus Army. Scarpoozled versus Wisconsin. They do have a win against the scrappy Middle Tennessee State squad, but you know that's their entire resume. I mean, what's in that that screams top twenty-five team to you? Uh, you know, the pundits do not like to admit that they're wrong, and they had them over under ten and a half. They had them winning the legends or leaders division, and win, and then making a playoff run. And that's the pride. Pride is getting in the way. They they should drop. I mean. 22-23, that's fine. I don't even know what they are right now, but they definitely should have uh, taken a tumble. Uh, 35 to nothing with 2.08 left in the game. That is when Michigan finally cracked the scoreboard. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say up 35 points. Wisconsin's just looking to run out the clock, move on to week five. And uh, so, yeah, they were, they were finished scoring and probably prevent defense. I didn't get to watch the game. But how do you keep Harbaugh around – you know they've got more losses coming. This was supposed to be the year they're beating Ohio State. Dude, they're not beating Ohio State. I, outside of just a, a six-turnover affair by Ohio State, that game is going to turn into seven, eight, nine in a row, whatever they're on now. Four turnovers for Michigan, zero turnovers for Wisconsin. Michigan got 15 first downs, 299 yards of total offense. I mean, Harbaugh is jealous of how much offense Auburn had. Uh, Wisconsin held the ball for 41 minutes and seven seconds, and so that's Ooh, well that's over two thirds, or <clears throat> little little over two thirds of the game. I mean, just total embarrassment for Harbaugh. So I think we can say with our one A and one B, overrated. Overrated. And I tell you what, in that game too, I did. I loved, absolutely loved that jumbo package that Wisconsin put together on the goal line. Did you see that? I did not. Oh, my Lord. They had two tight ends, of course. So they had uh, <clears throat> seven guys on, uh, on the on the front line. And then uh, I don't know enough about their roster to say who it was, but they had two what appeared to be offensive linemen, maybe even defensive linemen, offensive or defensive, could tell. Linemen, nonetheless mm. – in the dual fullback position on the goal line with one halfback behind him. <laughs> no, it was a thing eye, of baby. beauty. <laughs> oh, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. All right, well, this week our third loser is a an entire conference and I think you will agree with us when we uh, when we finish this up. Uh Washington State undefeated going into the weekend, lost to UCLA. I didn't see that game, but man, it was a massive comeback by UCLA, is what I've been told, and what the you know. Of course, I watched the highlights, and then Utah. You know, luckily our betting picks have not been on fire, but I have bet enough that you know Daryl and I were talking Friday night, and luckily we have sniffed out a few smelly fish occasionally. 
Utah was favored by three and a half at USC. USC's done nothing this year, and we're like, man, that 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 game is very dangerous. And but with those two losses, uh, the Pac-12's playoff hopes are deader than week than Bernie in weekend at Bernie's two. Oh, if you've seen the, the sequel. Oh, nice. And, and see, this is the reason that Auburn, the Auburn game was so important to Oregon and more importantly the Pac-12 is they needed that win. Like right now, if Auburn finishes with one loss, how are you really going to put the Pac-12 champion in over Auburn knowing that Auburn beat one of the top teams in the Pac-12 to start the year? I mean, it's going to be difficult to do. Uh, the leader, the the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12 is California who flew California. east and had a – massive, massive eight-point win over Ole Miss, which the the game ended on the one inch. robbed. Yeah, they, possibly so. But, I mean, uh, do you really think Cal runs a table? You know, no. and if they do run the table, I mean, you you got you beat the you beat the number six team in the West and the eleventh team overall in the SEC. I'm guessing there in Ole Miss by eight points. I mean, that that game, if you're a true conference champion, you should go to Ole Miss and you should beat them by. I mean, it is a road game. It is the SEC, but man, dude, seventeen to twenty four points that should be expected. I, I give them as little as fourteen there, but but still. I mean, the Pac-12 likely feels like their season is similar to how I felt my thermodynamics class. Hopeless. Four games in, and like you said, they're riding the California bandwagon, who, again, I I still don't know why we didn't get a replay on that goal line. You know, not only did we not get a replay, or maybe I should say review by the refs, but not only did we not get the review by the refs, they never showed an alternate angle to the play on, on TV. Did you ever see an alternate angle? No, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, from the angle that we saw, the the only I only saw one one angle. Uh, the guy had the ball in the left arm, which was the arm closest to the goal line. It would have been extremely mm-hmm. close, extremely close. But 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 nonetheless, uh, the Pac-12, the champion out there. I don't think this is a stretch to say that their champion may end up with three losses or more. Yeah, very well I mean, good. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny that Washington's only loss was a home game to California, but Washington still ranked above them. Mm-hmm. How, how does that work? I don't know. <laughs> Cal's Pride, undefeated. Pride. Yeah, Cal's undefeated with a road win over Washington, and Washington still ranked ahead of them. I mean that's that's lazy voting, is that what that is? That's mm-hmm. that's just lazy. I mean. If you if if you've got a vote and you're going to use it, pay attention. Come on. I agree. I agree. Uh, the reason on the uh, the probably the most logical thing I've heard on the why it wasn't reviewed. One, they didn't think it was a touchdown, and two, if you review it, you're doing. Ca- I mean, if you don't review it and it should have been a touchdown, you're doing Ole Miss a disservice. But if you do review it and it's not a touchdown then you've done Cal a disservice because Ole Miss has used all their timeouts, and then that gives Ole Miss a free timeout to set up a play to, to possibly win the game. So a- actually, I, you know, I'm sure actually, Ole Miss fans don't see it that way. Counterpoint there, and I didn't know this. I didn't know this, and, and and this may or may not be exactly true, but I was – I forget what I was even listening to today who was talking about this. Apparently, if you can believe the program I was listening to – the rule is if they review it and it's overturned, then, you know, it's just overturned and play continues on as usual, whatnot. If they review it and it's not overturned, they assess a 10-second runoff. And I guess that's inside the last minute or two, whatever that is. So they... Ole Miss still might have had a two seconds, according to what I was hearing. I think that you know mm-hmm. when he called it, it was at twelve seconds uh, or so. Yeah, okay. But uh, but but you know 
they they don't like you said you know review it and just you know start it back at 12 so that they have plenty of time so they they did at least cover that base but it should have been reviewed yeah, yeah now I don't, I don't disagree with that yeah one <clears throat> one other thing here I, I i'm gonna spring this on you i have a bonus loser uh the bonus loser of the day central florida I mean, <laughs> yeah, give us a shot. Give us a shot. This is what rational folks have been saying for years, and we've already touched on this in previous podcasts. The grind of playing Power 5 teams week in and week out is tougher than just getting up for one big game every now and then. No, they I beat agree. Stanford two weeks ago, who looks terrible, by the way. Uh, and then they follow that up with a home loss to mighty Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, the Panthers, Pittsburgh. Neither of those teams will sniff the top 25 this year. But even with the lower-tier Power 5 teams, a team like Central Florida doesn't have the roster to hang in there week in and week out. And that's what we've been screaming. No. I checked mm-hmm. their schedule. The last time Central Florida played two Power 5 teams in consecutive weeks was in 2016, the year before they, you know, did all their screaming and crying about, you know, whatever. They Ooh. lost both of those games. The last one to a 6-6 six and six Maryland team. I mean, there's what, what, what more proof do you need you know, to, to, to realize that you're, you're playing in a different league. Yeah, if they, I agree. And I, I got in a Twitter fight with a couple of, a uh, couple of UCF Woo-hoo! fans on our, uh, on our corporate account. Uh, but you know, that's the thing. It, you put them in any, you put them in any power five conference and they're not winning any, they're not winning any power five conference. I'm sorry. They're just not, no. uh, they're going to finish higher in some, you know, ACC. Hey, they might finish second or third in ACC. They might finish second or third in the pac 12, but they're not winning any power five conference. And, that, and you make a great point. The grind, you know, yes, Ole Miss is not that good, but you got to strap it up. Tennessee is not that good, but you got to strap it up. That's right. So great and, and, I mean, bonus see, loser there. Yeah. And, and see, see circa Utah over there. For exactly that reason, you know, uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they got to the Pac-12, and I mean, it was—I mean, literally, if, if if you hadn't been watching football for that long, before Utah joined the Pac-12, it was Utah ten wins, eleven wins, twelve wins. Hey, we should be playing in the biggest bowls and the whatever. I mean, they even whipped Bama one year in the bowl game. Don't get us started on the you know mm-hmm. not happy to be there thing. You stuck them in the yeah. Pac-12. Have they even made the Pac-12 championship yet? I don't think so. They were favored this year, then laid an egg on the road. So, you know, it's Ooh. it's it's tough. It is. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. No uh, let's move on to our meaningless topic of the day. And uh, the deeper we're getting into the season, I think these are becoming meaningful topics of the day. But oh. Tom and I, about two weeks ago, I was irritated because of something I read on the Twitter. I'm like, dude, this sucks. I said, Jalen's going to win the Heisman. And he's, and I gave him a few reasons. He said, now see that? He said, I think just the opposite. So that's going to be our topic of the day. And here I've got four bullet points of why Jalen will win the Heisman. A couple of weeks ago, someone tweeted that Oklahoma had four receivers in the game that averaged 20 yards per catch. I mean, that's great. And some Bama fan caught that and uh, retweeted it, quote tweeted it, and said, uh, Tua had four receivers today that averaged 30 yards per catch. And do you think that got any coverage by SportsCenter, ESPN, all the powers that be? No, it didn't because, you know, it's easy to hate on – it's easy to pick apart greatness. You know, they picked apart Peyton Manning till he didn't win the Heisman. And they're going to pick apart Tua till he doesn't win the Heisman. Uh, Oklahoma's had the last two winners, and the media, they gonna, they want to make it three in a row at the same position. I, just, I think they're going to be behind Jalen. And he is the feel-good story of 2019 in the year of the – you know, this is the first year of the transfer portal. And uh, on a side note there, I cannot wait to watch his 30 for 30 because it's going to be fantastic. But still, um, that's going to work in his favor. And the last point is it is the ultimate middle finger to Nick Saban and Bama fatigue. 
I can't tell you how many people, uh, Skip Bayless, which he's an idiot anyway, but, you know, he's like, uh, it's obvious that this is after week two, I think. It's obvious Bama chose the wrong quarterback. I'm like, dude, you're out of your mind. I mean, Jalen's a hell of a quarterback. He would be, if if Jalen was at Bama, we'd be 4-0 right now. We'd be favored to win the rest of our games, but he would not beat Georgia, or he probably would not beat Auburn because we have four we have we have four receivers or well we have our three our three juniors that are all gonna be high picks in the draft. And then you've got Waddle that's gonna probably be a first rounder next year, and then Mechie's supposed to be all everything as well. We've got to get those guys a ball, and Tua gives us the best chance to do that. But I'm, I'm getting all, I'm getting side sidetracked here. Those are my reasons why Jalen will win the Heisman. Tom, I'm anxious to hear your reasons why he won't. All right, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> I'm really not speaking as to whether he will or he won't win the Heisman. In my opinion, I don't think he will. But what I really want to speak toward is why he should. Before I get into that, though, let me just say this: I still miss him. I'm okay, though. I'm okay. All right. (laughs) I think Hertz is the absolute perfect example of the SEC argument that we've had for years. I can remember four, six, eight years ago that an SEC team won the national championship every year. And I do mean every year. The SEC won seven in a row, and they've still won nine of the last 13. But each year we won the championship in those previous years. The next year, a new preseason favorite would emerge who was just flashy in all offense, Circa Oregon, USC, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the Baylors of the world, even Texas was involved in that farce. Year in and year out, the voters would get enamored by offenses who just put up a ton of points. Never mind their defenses gave up 40 per game. They proclaimed they could outscore anybody until they couldn't. They usually dropped the game late because their defense couldn't hold someone under 60, but occasionally they made the title game only to be shown you can't win without a defense. The arguments were always the same. Those offenses can score on anyone. The SEC teams only play defense. Our quarterbacks are elite, and yours are pedestrian. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Jalen Hurts experiments is proving our point. He was a starting quarterback for two Alabama championship teams, one national title in there. He faced those SEC defenses week in and week out. He navigated 10 ranked teams in 2016 and six more in 2017. He was one cheating pick play in 16 from winning the national title, and with a little two from your friends, he got one in 17. In both those years as a starter, listen to this now, in both those years as a starter, combined, the two years combined, he had seven, seven, games of 200 yards or more passing you heard that right 200 Mm -hmm. yards that's a pretty low threshold if i move the needle to 300 yard passing game he had one in that two-year span against a five and seven uh mississippi state bulldog team in 2016 all right so flash forward to today he's now in the big 12 facing off against a different brand of defense granted I concede this point. He hasn't actually played a conference game yet, but UCLA, South Dakota, and Houston aren't exacting, exactly fielding defensive juggernauts. You get the picture, though. He was 11 yards short in the UCLA game of having two out of three of his first Oklahoma games going for 300 yards. All right, so what am I saying? I'm saying there has never been more overwhelming proof that a quarterback who was clearly second string at Alabama – and there is no debate there, can go to the Big 12 and have incredible numbers. This has to be an eye-opening moment for many voters, I would think. I mean, is it the Big 12 defenses? Is it Oklahoma's system? Is it Lincoln Riley's mastermind? And he's good. I'll give him that. He's really good. But it has to be something, right? Because he's clearly two at Bama, and now he's putting up these numbers. I mean, everybody thought that two spectacular quarterbacks in a row happened to come through Oklahoma with Mayfield and Murray, but... You know, they got it wrong last year, by the way. Uh, they just did. Oh, for sure. So now a third comes through the, the the country, and, you know, everybody knows that two is better than Jalen. They've seen it. 
Everybody saw it. I mean, it's it, there's no dispute there. So I'm not saying Tua should win the Heisman. I, I kind of am. But one thing is for sure, <laughs> it shouldn't be Jalen. Yeah, I mean, that's – I thought it was a good topic, and uh, I, I'm I, I maybe I'm just trying to do reverse jinx on Jalen, but you know if if Tua if all they're going to wait for is Tua to drop the LSU game, LSU to go to Atlanta, and Burrow to drop because actually Burrow has better numbers than Tua right now. It's hard to believe uh, that's a little misleading because he's no play, actually playing in the fourth quarter, but uh, you know then Burrow drops a game to Georgia. Um, Trevor Lawrence is leading the ACC in interceptions currently. So if if the perfect storm exists, Jalen will win it, win it. I'll be happy for him, but not if it's at the at the expense of Tua. So no uh, doubt, but, miss you, yeah, Jalen. Good job. Good work on both of our parts. I'm going to pat myself on the back there. All right, games of the week. And uh, we have two of them this week. Slim pick, as good as last week was. I mean, Wisconsin-Michigan didn't even move our needle last week, and they would probably be the featured game if it was this week. Um, but we have two this week, Auburn-Mississippi State, uh, Virginia-Notre Dame. Tom, I got you leading off Auburn-Mississippi State. Call me crazy, but I think State keeps this one close, and with a break or two, they actually may win the game. The defensive front for State has been and continues to be stout. Now, they handled Kentucky last week, and they have one unforgivable loss of the season. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Top Dog here. That unforgivable loss was to Kansas State, uh, who who actually they held to less than 300 yards of total offense. But, but my buddy Top Dog today made a point to me that I didn't really realize – I didn't realize that Kansas State's coach, you know, because Snyder retired, was the North Dakota State coach that had won all those championships. You know, he he had won and won and won and won until people got sick and tired of saying win over there. And so he finally took a bigger job. And he's 4-0 at Kansas State. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty incredible, actually. But... uh, like I mentioned previously, Auburn's offense has been shaky so far. And if not for chicanery and deceit, Gus would likely not have scored any points this season. But State has been <laughs> turnover prone, and their offense hasn't lit the world on fire. So if they go on the road and turn it over, this game could get out of hand. But if they take a conservative approach, don't turn the ball over, and look for opportunities, this one could be close late. Uh, it's good when we differ. I think it makes the podcast spicy and interesting. Uh, I covered what I wanted to say in the winner segment. Uh, Auburn's on this crazy voodoo roll. They won't be stopped by Mississippi State. State cannot stop the run. Booby runs wild. Schwartz goes for a hundred on jet sweeps you and Auburn booby. easily. And uh, I, I, my money says Auburn. I bet a decent amount on the money line. So uh, and the money line was not cheap. Uh, second game <laughs> is going to be Virginia Notre Dame. It's probably the most interesting game of the week because, like you said, Virginia. It's hard for me to picture Virginia being any good. They've been bad for so long. But you know, they, as we previewed in our uh, opening season prop podcast and in, in the ACC, you know, Virginia. I think we had them picked second or third in the conference behind Clemson. So they're you know they're they're definitely in the upper echelon of teams. Uh, but how bad of a hangover does Notre Dame have after getting beaten in Athens? And that's the thing. Uh, when you play a game like that, you know, they always talk about don't let Alabama beat you twice, meaning don't let them beat you on the field, and then you've got such a hangover, you're so down uh, during the next week that you lose your, your follow-up game. And that's what's going to be interesting to see. You know, can Virginia win a meaningful road game? They really struggle with Old Dominion, and you had to chalk that up to Virginia looking towards this weekend. Agreed, and and to your point, that's why we had Missouri last week over South Carolina, who was coming off the Bama game. But kind of a slim week this week when uh, Virginia and Notre Dame makes the game of the week column. But I do find this matchup interesting for most of the reasons I had previously covered in the Notre Dame-Georgia rant. I'm not sold that Notre Dame is a powerhouse and them or Georgia had to lose that game. One of them had to lose it. So 
This Virginia game may tip the scale one way or the other for me as far as Notre Dame's, uh, you know, Notre Dame's chances of actually being a legitimate contender this year. I thought Virginia would be improved this year and make a run for the ACC championship. At, when I say championship, I mean championship game. Uh, and so far, they've been on track. Notre Dame opened as an 11-point favorite in this one. Virginia has turned the ball over six times through four games. They can't afford that in this game. This should tell us a lot about both teams, and I'll reserve judgment on their direction until next week. But if I was forced to play it, I would look for Virginia to keep it under the number. Nice, nice. little teaser for what may come in the lines of interest. Uh, bets from week four, we both went one and one, nothing to write home about. I had an Auburn win. I had a Georgia loss. What the crazy thing about Georgia, that was, that was a lot of points, but at, I think Daryl talked about this. Um, you know, at no point in that game did I ever feel like Georgia was going to lose. I don't know how you felt watching it, but they Same. just, they just didn't cover, you know, they, uh, they just, they couldn't cover it. The line actually went up to 15 and a half, <clears throat> but, um, uh, anyway, Auburn win, Georgia loss for me. Tom, you were also one and one. Yeah, I split the baby once again. I had Ole Miss in their goal line debacle that did not get the cover. But I went back to Missouri, and uh, they delivered yet again by hammering South Carolina. I chalked me up for another one and one day. However, I will go on record to say I did predict that Notre Dame would stay under the number. Does it count, I typically, my Well... <clears throat> Now, I need to take umbrage with that, by the way, because typically, just like today, if we have a game of the week, I don't include them in my uh, best bets for the week because I want to get two new games in there. I want to pick as many as possible. (laughs) So I I should get credit for that Notre Dame too, sir. I was 2-1 last week. Move on. (laughs) Partial credit. All right, uh, lines of interest from week five. I'll let you go first. I've got four games written down. If you take my first two, I'll go to my alternate. So go ahead. Oh, great. I love, I love to go first then. I'll take Boston College plus a full touchdown in the first game against Wake Forest. BC hasn't lived down to that, uh, lived down that inexplicable loss to Kansas, but have otherwise logged a couple of decent wins. Now, before the season started, I have to think that the Eagles would have been a favorite in this game, actually. Now that Wake has started 4-0, and they've got a little bit of a publicity bump out there, I think we're getting some serious line value with Boston College. So I'll take the Eagles plus the seven. As Les Sanders used to say, it's time to take BC. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go to my next one yeah, as well? go ahead. Go All right, ahead. Uh, so... I really wanted to take Nebraska plus 17.5 for my second play, uh, but instead I'm going to take the over in the same game. The The over-under is 66.5. I think this game can be competitive, uh, but it will take Martinez having a semi-error-free game. Last week they had to come from behind the fourth quarter to beat Illinois, and, and I'm talking about Nebraska here. Uh, but if you look to the stat line, they actually outgained Illinois like 670 yards to 300 or something. I mean, it was more than 350 yards. It's a really huge discrepancy there. But as everybody knows, they also have four turnovers, and that, that was the death of them. I mean, they got the win, but, you know, never never got close to the cover. But if they can keep hold on to the ball, get that somewhat corrected, I see Nebraska, you know, putting up, into the 20s or th- possibly even the 30s in this game on the scoreboard. So uh, I don't think you're going to slow down fields in them that much right now. Uh, so a 40, 40 spot from Ohio State should should be well within their grass, and that should easily get it over. So that's my four palladium pick of the week. <laughs> I did All say right, palladium. All right, I've got a... I've got uh, – you didn't take any of my games. Actually, you you almost took one of them on the other side, and I'm going to go with it. But my first game is Bama, and I think that line has actually moved to 36-and-a-half. It's gotten up there pretty high. But <clears throat> Bama is going to show California how you're supposed to handle Ole Miss uh, this weekend. Granted, <laughs> it is at, at, at Bryant-Denny. But Ole Miss is 
terrible against the pass. They're not much better against the run. Uh, their head coach looks like an, he has an IQ of about 92, so um, average is 100, by the way. So uh, I'm nice. taking Bama minus 36 and a half, and I am taking Ohio State minus Woo-hoo! 17 and the hook. Let me tell you why. Ryan Day has yet Ryan to not cover plan. a game as head coach. <laughs> Ryan Day has, has covered every game he's been head coach at, uh, at Ohio State University. Covered a three, two or three last year. Covered all of them this year. I'm putting a saddle on him and riding him till he, till we can't ride no more, as uh, one of the a famous Lil Nas X song says. Yeah. But that's our bets. We got BC plus seven over of the Ohio State Nebraska game. We got Bama minus thirty six and a half. Uh, Ohio State minus seventeen and a half. Four game parlay and uh, baby gets new shoes for Christmas. <laughs> uh, Instagram model of the week. Now I I picked uh, you know my I had a few girls lined up for Instagram model of the week, but I have run up on a new one this week. I'm not so sure she doesn't outshine Kindly and Paige and uh, Sophia Beverly. Her name is Caitlin Runk, and it is her uh, Instagram username is K-A-T-E-L-Y-N underscore R-U-N-C-K. Runk as Runk in the trunk, which she has. She, she's a beauty. Uh, I sent you a picture, Tom. Weigh in on her. How quickly, Tiffin, you turn from one IG model to the next. I'm sure Caitlin is a fine girl, but you need to find someone like Deb to settle down with. I pray that one day the right IG model sends you winky faces and steals your heart, my friend. Keep trying. (laughs) Uh, All right, that wraps us up uh, this week. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and... uh, As you always know, if you're traveling from Starkville to Auburn this weekend for the the game, you need to go south till you smell it and then east till you step in it. Take it easy, guys.